0: All right, folks, another behind the yellow line here. Lots to talk about in the world of Chicago Cubs baseball. Right off the bat, though, we've got no Jeremy tonight, just Randall and I this evening. Uh, Randall, Jeremy claims he is off in Florida or something like that. I think he's hiding because as we record this right now, the Hoosiers up in Champaign over the Illini. And the game's not over. I hope I'm not jumping the gun. But I just think he was afraid to show his face tonight.
1: Well, Ronan, you have never once ever improperly called the result of a game before it was uh, final. So I wouldn't worry about that personally, but uh, Jeremy has sent us some photos of his travels through Florida, some photos of some of the baseball sites he has visited. So if he is hiding, he's doing a really good job with his cover story.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It looks like he's having fun down there. Uh, He'll be back next week, but we've got so much to get to here tonight. Trey Mancini, the newest Cubs. So another answer potentially at first base, I think on this pod tonight, a mixed bag in terms of reactions randall i think maybe a little bit more pro trey mancini i've got concerns so we'll get into that a little bit Uh, also cubs addressing the bullpen a little bit some honors in the front office two classic 90s cubs going into the hall of fame sammy sosa not one of them you know for certain i've got some thoughts on that we'll take a look at some preliminary world baseball classic rosters bunch of cubs all over the place playing for a variety of different teams Baseball America with their preseason top 100 prospects. I'm disappointed there, too, because just three Cubs made the cut. And then we'll bring things home today looking at if anybody has worn number 96 in Cubs history. Uh, but, Randall, right off the top here, uh, let's tip the cap to our buddy Alexander Hall at Cubs weather. Wonderful week for him, and we're here to celebrate that.
1: Absolutely. Alexander Hall promoted to associate producer at Fox Weather in uh, New York City where Alexander is based out of. Uh, so all the congratulations to him, uh, using all that that uh, media training of his, using that weather training of his. all congratulations to him. And while we are on the topic of Friends of the show and listeners, a pair of shout outs. A uh, friend of my family, a gentleman by the name of Eddie did mention to me recently that he has been listening to Ooh. our pod while he cooks. And so I do hope that we are able to provide a suitable soundtrack for you as you you cook up uh, whatever it is you're cooking up in the kitchen, Eddie. Thanks for listening. And uh, quite a shout-out here, a shout-out with some, some, some weight to it, some heft to it, uh, the great Cubs fan Crawley, known far oh, yeah. and wide far and wide through Cubs fan circles. Also nice enough to mention to me that he's been uh, listening to the pod a little bit lately. So Crawley, we do appreciate the listenership. Uh, Thanks for being a patron of Behind
0: the Yellow Line. That is really, really cool. We do appreciate that very much. And uh, Eddie, not Ed, if it was Ed, Jeremy would be particularly excited. But uh, I hope our audience knows Randall has become quite the cook. So if you need some tips in the kitchen, Randall's a guy that can help you out. Uh, well, let's get to the Cubs here, Randall. Uh, big move here, right? First base has been a big question mark all offseason. Last week, I spent about 40 minutes complaining about Eric Hosmer. Well, Trey Mancini gets a contract. Two years, $14 million, an opt-out following the 2023 season if he hits a couple of thresholds. Uh, what do you think here, Randall? Is this a good move for the Cubs bringing in Mancini?
1: You know I'm I'm really not against this move. He is a it's a floor raising move. And that's maybe disappointing. You know, it, 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 there comes a point where you can only raise the floor so much before you keep you start wishing that they had raised the ceiling of this team. But he's got power in his career. He's, you know, he's a right-handed hitter. He'll be a, I think a a decent short side platoon partner with Hosmer, Hosmer, a left-handed hitter, Mancini, a right-handed hitter, Uh, Mancini, a little bit more power. He raises the floor of this team. I think Hosmer and Mancini together will at the very least keep that seat warm until hopefully Mervis is able to come up and take it over, uh, you know, every day full-time and rake there. But again, you can do worse than a combination of Mancini and Hosmer at first base, you can do a lot better, a lot better, yeah. But you can do worse. There is a, a floor to that expected performance that I think is better than s- some other pieces or guys that you could plug into that spot. So I'm not against the move at all. It's cheap. Uh, you know, he's got a reputation for power in his career. I don't hate it. I know you disagree, and I can see you're loading up, you're winding up no. in the bullpen <laughs> there, but.
0: Well, I'll start with some positives. Uh, I am much happier that the Cubs are going into next season with more than just Eric Hosmer as an option at first base because I think he's going to be bad. You said last week you know, he might not even make it to one of the first holidays of the year when we get into May. I'm all on board with that unless something snaps with Eric Hosmer. So the good things with Mancini, uh, it's obviously not a ton of money. Uh, He's got legitimate power. He's just under 40 home runs combined over the last two seasons. I think it's reasonable to expect Trey Mancini hits around 20 home runs for the Cubs at first base next year, and that will certainly be helpful. What I don't love about Trey Mancini is he's not a great player, right? He's an unbelievable story. I've been rooting for this guy from afar. It's inspirational, everything that he's been through and what he's been able to achieve. But in terms of performance on the baseball diamond, he hasn't had a one F4 season since 2019. We're talking four years ago at this point, Sat out 2020 for obvious reasons, and then was okay in 2021 and 2022, but never got to that one F4 threshold. So, yes, there's power. The defense isn't very good. He's on the wrong side of 30. It's just underwhelming to me that here we are two, three weeks before spring training. The Cubs needed to address first base, and it's Eric Hosmer and Trey Mancini. I, I don't love it. I just don't love it for the Cubs this year. But it's better than what they had last year. I'll give them that.
1: Yeah, and you know, I don't strictly disagree with you. I don't necessarily love it either, but I don't hate it. And you know, I I, I know we like the extremes, but uh, I think that's just kind of where we are in this move. We don't love it, we don't hate it. It's a, a a middling move, but it still raises the floor of this team. Yeah. And we saw so many players in the last couple seasons who didn't really have business getting at bats get at bats. And the few, the more of those guys you can kick out in place of even. Break-even guys, literally the R in you know replace, literally the R in war replacement. The more sub-replacement guys you can kick out and replace with replacement guys, it's not sexy, it's not pretty, it's not exciting. But again, it raises the floor of your team. And if you can raise the floor of your team enough, uh, eventually you start to raise the ceiling. I mean, again, Mancini on his own doesn't do that. Hosmer on his own does not do that. But it, it it is one of your favorite phrases. It is what it is.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and there is legitimate power there. He had four seasons with at least 20 home runs, including a career-best 35 back in 2019. Last season, I, I think he actually got burned a little bit by Camden Yards, too. If you remember, he started the season in Baltimore, then goes down to Houston. Well, Baltimore moved that left field wall back. He absolutely lost a couple of home runs because of that, and that should translate well to Wrigley Field. So I think 20 home runs. Again, I think that's a reasonable expectation for him next year. I just wanted more. I wanted a bigger splash out of first base for the Cubs this offseason. Uh, Eric Hosmer definitely doesn't do it for me. No. It's seen me a bit of a step up from that.
1: Yeah, Eric Hosmer doesn't make a whole lot of things splash. You don't typically hear splash and Eric Hosmer in the same sentence unless someone's thrown him into the lake, which, uh, you know, that might be a point we get to at some point this season.
0: Randall, we're recording this January 19. Uh, let's throw a prediction out there. Without Jeremy in the mix here, will the Cubs have more home runs next year from first base or third base?
1: I'm going to go first base because I do think that you're going to see the bulk of the time at first base taken up by Hosmer, Mancini, and Mervis in some combination. And, you know, third base, a little bit of a question mark. Patrick Wisdom is going to hit his, but he's going to strike out a, a decent deal. Likewise with Morel, who's going to hit his, but the league figured him out a little bit towards the tail end of last season. Can he adjust back? Uh, you know, if Madrigal sees any time at third base, God. which is apparently something they're going to try out, it's going to be third baseman Tommy LaSella all over again. He's not going to hit for any power. And, you know, there isn't necessarily anyone waiting in the wings who you can project for power. I think they've got a couple of sleepers in the minor leagues, a guy like Jig Slaughter who could potentially work his way into that third base job. And, you know, that's a little bit of a wild card. I would be perfectly willing to bet that first base hits more home runs collectively than third
0: base does for the
1: Cubs this season.
0: Well, we're all in on Matt Mervis on this pod. And I think the signing also illustrates Matt Mervis may be the most important Cub going into next season, right? If this team's actually going to make a jump into the postseason, I'm not saying that they don't need a good year from Nico or Dansby or those guys, but Mervis is the big wild card. Like, if he's legit, if he's a 30-home-run power guy, that's a huge improvement for this Cubs team, and it makes it, as you said, much easier to cut Hosmer sooner. But we don't know who Matt Mervis is, and uh, it's going to be fascinating watching his development in the spring.
1: It it is. And again, the Cubs, then they did all but say during the Cubs convention last weekend that Mervis will start the season in the minors. Uh, But we know they're going to give him an extended look in spring training. He's going to be in big league camp. He can work with the big league coaches, he can be in the big league clubhouse. They are going to give him an extended look. And I think that assuming he performs reasonably this spring, they're going to tell him you're starting the season at Iowa, work hard, produce, and you'll be up sooner versus later but sooner versus later could be june we saw that they were not afraid to keep rizzo down until june uh in rizzo's first season in the cubs organization but i think mervis as long as he's effective and healthy will be up at some point before the fourth of july and i think he will get every opportunity after that to show that he can be a major league hitter
0: it's going to be very exciting. It's going to be one of those must-see storylines for the Cubs going into next year. And as we get close to the start of spring training, we've got predictions coming up on the show. We've got players to watch, under-the-radar guys, lots of fun things on that front. And I am eager next week when Jeremy comes back to get his take on Trey Mancini. In our group text, the only thing that he has said about Trey Mancini was nice. That's no, the only Jeremy, quote, quote, nice. Jeremy's a
1: man of few words. He, he picks his spots.
0: So we'll get his uh, full explanation on that next week. Uh, Cubs also making a roster move here. This one a little bit surprising. They go out and get a right-handed pitcher, Julian Merriweather, claimed off weathers from, uh, waivers rather from Toronto. The thing that was surprising to me is the man they DFA'd to clear the space, Manny Rodriguez. Man, we had high hopes for Manny Rodriguez as a Cub. This doesn't mean he's not necessarily going to be back next year in Iowa, but he gets the DFA as this new pitcher comes in. Yeah, the the man rod just
1: didn't quite show what you were hoping this season. He was injured a great deal this season. When he came back up, the fastball wasn't quite there. He was sitting in the low to mid 90s. He's a guy who needs to be in that high 90s range in order to get by. Uh, so it's unfortunate, and again, it doesn't mean he's out of the organization. Certainly, hope he'll clear waivers, as Mark Leiter Jr. did. Yeah, uh, as the uh, the DFA for Hosmer's to get on the forty-man roster, Mark Leiter Jr. did clear waivers. Um, I believe he has enough service time that he can reject that assignment and become a free agent, but he did clear waivers. He was outrighted to AAA. I'm hoping Manny Rodriguez uh, similarly clears waivers and stays in the organization. You know, I like, I like Cubs and I like Cubs who have not personally wronged me. I don't want to see Manrod gone and, you know, produce with another organization. I do hope he's able to stay in the organization, but this is what happens when you are upgrading the fringes of your roster is sometimes a, player gets kicked off in favor of a marginal upgrade and it's just a numbers
0: game yeah absolutely and um we're pulling for manny i had him as the cubs leader in saves last year i think that was my prediction at the start of the season that did not pan out well no Uh, i saw his first major league save here in denver at coors field a couple of years ago and i thought hey he was going to be the guy and it didn't quite pan out last season uh, so right now, question mark with him? You're right. Leiter has three days to decide what he wants to do. It'd be fantastic if he chose to stay with the Cubs. Uh, you gotta remember that while there's a 40-man roster crunch right now, that does change when spring training starts, and you can put guys on the 60-man IL. So you can kind of free up a little bit more space early if he has a means to stick around. Now, obviously, Manny and Leiter, if they feel like they can get a big league job right now, you go, you take that, good luck to them. But it would be wonderful to have that added depth in this system. Uh, I'm not really worried about the Cubs' bullpen going into next year. I think it's going to be serviceable, and they're going to put enough pieces together that that's not really going to be a concern this year.
1: Absolutely. I mean, we talked about it all last year. The Cubs have a number of high-level guys Uh, At Iowa, or who are projected to be at Iowa, who will at least be worth a look in the big league bullpen. Sometimes those guys pan out. uh, Sometimes they don't in the the case of a guy like Eric Ellman. Uh, But again, you've got enough pieces there that you can keep throwing things at the wall and see which young Cubs stick to that wall.
0: Yeah. And with regards to Merriweather, a high velocity guy, he's had his ups and downs, been in the Cleveland system, he's been in the majors with Toronto, uh, but plenty of upside here. And if there's one thing the Cubs have been very good at the last few years, it's getting some arms, putting him in that pitch lab, and getting some wonderful results. So we'll see what Merriweather brings into the mix this year.
1: Absolutely. Another guy you're excited to see get in the pitch lab, work with the, the pitching infrastructure, and uh, let let all that money they've spent on uh, giving Craig Breslow free reign, let all yeah. of that go to work and see if you can take a guy who already throws hard and make him into a reliable big, big league reliever uh, for a full season.
0: Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you this, Randall. I'm back in academic mode. The uh, Class started for me this week. Uh, two sections, one in person, one online. So I got wow. a whole bevy of roadrunners that I'll, are all stand about. for
1: Professor O'Shea's classroom.
0: Oh, man, it's fun. It, it's really cool. Uh, I got a, uh, a couple of student athletes this semester as well. A bunch of baseball players. They're like, we're going to talk about baseball in class. Yeah. Yes. We're going to talk a lot about baseball in class, but it got me thinking, Randall. And maybe we're a little premature because it's still a couple of weeks till spring training, and the Cubs can presumably still make some moves. They're, the bullpen is something that potentially they could be adding to before they get down to Mesa. But here we are, before the end of January. How would you grade this off season for the Cubs, and and not just the big league roster, but everything—the organization, how, like how you feel about the organization right now? What Letter grade? Do you give to the Cubs? I definitely
1: give this organization a passing grade. A C plus I think seems a little too low. I'm definitely not giving them an A. I would be comfortable giving them a B minus, maybe a B on a good day. I think you went out and you got the pieces you needed to. Again, I hate to keep using this term, but to raise the floor of this roster, you went out, you spent big on your free agent shortstop, even if it was kind of the fourth guy on the board there, but you did go out and get your guy. You added who a guy to the starting rotation who I think will be real solid. One thing that would raise the grade, whatever grade I'm feeling, one thing that would raise the grade is extending one or both of Nico Horner and Ian Happ, because uh once they get to spring training, they're going to start having those discussions. And apparently they are having those discussions already. Uh, point being doing one of those would raise would raise it probably by a uh, a grade within a grade. like if if, if I call them a B minus, I'd put that up to a B if you can extend st- extend one or the other. So I'll give them, I'll give them a B minus. I think there's potential to get yourself up to a B before opening day.
0: Okay, uh, so a little more optimistic than me. I'm going with a solid C, 75%. Uh, I wanted this to be like a 90% off season, and it started with a bang. I liked some of the early moves, and then it sort of whimpered out as the winter went on. Uh, here's what I really like. I think Dansby's going to work out well for the Cubs. They needed to get one of the four shortstops. I think he was likely the fourth best shortstop, but given the deal, the years, the dollars, this is going to be a good fit for the Cubs. He's going to be a very productive player, at least for a couple of seasons. Super high on Cody Bellinger. I I love it. I wanted him from day one. Really eager to see what he does at Wrigley next year. Jamison Tyone is where things start to shift for me a little bit. Perfectly solid player. He's going to be a great innings eater for the Cubs over the next couple of years. But I felt they needed a little bit of a higher quality starting pitcher, top of the line starting pitcher. And you see a guy like Carlos Rodon go to the Yankees, you're thinking, hey, why couldn't he be on the north side back in the city of Chicago? Uh, Don't love Hosmer. Not at all. You know, Mancini, eh, it's better than Hosmer, but it's not really where I wanted this to go. They haven't addressed DH, haven't addressed third base, and I think Nico Horner does need an extension. So I'm going with a C right now. By no means is this the worst offseason we've seen, certainly not in recent years. We've seen them sign Daniel Descalso before. Oh, man. like It can always be worse. (laughs) Yes, you're totally right. Uh, Man, even Jason Kipnis come to the north side. uh, Didn't love that at all, even though he was a a North Shore kid as well. But I'm at 75%. I think a C grade right now. I I don't think realistically there's anything that they're going to do between now and spring training that's going to bump that up for me. Maybe they go out and get another reliever or something like that. But I'm a little bit disappointed. Overall, the organization has taken a step forward. They're better than they were at this time last year but it could have been better with spending a little bit more money going into that luxury tax. I wanted them to be more aggressive and it just sort of stalled a little bit. It did. did. They got off
1: off to that big start where they they got Bellinger. They got Tyone. Uh, and, and then, like you said, they just sort of went quiet for a while. They waited out that shortstop market, uh, as entertaining as it turned out to be, they ended up getting their guy, but again, there was a lot, there were a lot of weeks yeah. in there where we just kind of sitting and waiting. So, you know, I don't disagree with you and I don't think we're that far apart. There's not a whole lot of difference between say a B minus and a solid C. So I don't think we're that far apart, but you are of course a little more pessimistic on this offseason than I am. I think they've added some really quality parts. I don't know that it makes them a great team, but as I keep saying, they they have raised I think the they they've raised the bottom of this team. I don't think they're going to be as bad as they were last year. Just because you've kicked out a lot of dead weight and you've replaced that the that dead weight with pieces that I think are of a higher quality.
0: Yeah, well, we'll see. It uh, we're all ready for it and super fun this year too. That you get the World Baseball Classic to I'm looking forward move to spring it. training along. Yeah, very excited, and we will I talk have... World Baseball Classic. In a I have couple of minutes.
1: Great memories of watching uh Team Japan versus Team Korea games at three AM during the first World Baseball Classic. And it was just so great to turn on the TV at three AM on ESPN and see baseball, competitive baseball with high quality professional players being played. I love the world baseball classic.
0: Agreed. Agreed. And the fans are into it. It's fun atmospheres. It just moves Opening day a little bit. Feels like it's a little bit quicker to get to opening day. The years of the world baseball classics on uh, one more note, though, on the Cubs sort of convention related. Your birthday last Friday kicked off the Cubs convention. Yeah, they and, didn't mention uh, me in opening ceremonies. No, for shame. I, for very shame, disappointing Tom, that Tom Tom too busy getting that food. Uh, Tom, though, did mention two new members of the Chicago Cubs Hall of Fame class for 2023, and these are two classic Cubs, certainly from our childhood and this generation of Cubs fans. First baseman Mark Grace, shortstop Sean Dunstan inducted into the Cubs Hall of Fame for 2023. We'll tip our caps to that all day. Two very deserving, awesome Cubs from our childhood. Absolutely. Uh, You know, it's a
1: great way to honor guys who are probably not getting into the national baseball hall of fame at this point but who have contributed significantly to the cubs as players in their time so i think it's a great way to honor guys like that we just need them to build an actual cubs hall of fame now and not uh, leave it uh not leave it confined to some plaques under the bleachers
0: yeah yeah we complained about that last week or two weeks ago maybe if you want to check that one out a little bit disappointed with how the cubs hall of fame has come out but very much on board with these two players Uh, mark grace was a tremendous hitter not a hall of famer not a major league hall of famer but a great baseball player a great hitter dominated the 90s which spanned most of his career gets that world series ring with a big hit in uh game seven as well so i love mark grace right Uh, maybe not the best broadcaster the cubs have introduced to the booth no but one of the great first baseman's in franchise history. No question about that.
1: As, as a player, there's no way you, you can't, you, there's no way you cannot honor him. Now that you have this, this mechanism for honoring significant former Cubs.
0: I mentioned to Sean Dunstan, you know, I, I said a nineties cub. He spent half of his career with the Cubs in the eighties as well. So for a different generation, they might remember him more as an eighties player for me. Those early 90s and and mid-90s teams, Sean Dunstan comes to mind. He had an 18-year major league career. Sean Dunstan wasn't the greatest infielder in major league history, but a long career, played for multiple teams, two-time all-star, certainly an easy guy to cheer for growing up. So it's going to be fun to see him get in the hall. A
1: a piece of equipment dedicated solely to measuring him. How many guys can say they have
0: their own meter? That is uh, awesome. Awesome. But it's got us thinking, where's Sammy? Right. Like, where's Sammy with this? Tom Ricketts said he's not eligible yet. Come on, Tommy. Come on. This would have been a perfect group to put Sammy within as well.
1: Uh, It's so incredibly awkward at those opening ceremonies. Tom Ricketts is standing out there, does not have the plexiglass in front of him uh, in case the tomatoes start flying. And he starts introducing these two players to be inducted into the team hall of fame and the crowd starts chanting sammy 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 and and ricketts has to calm everyone down like a teacher trying to corral a rowdy class it's very awkward there's an appetite for bringing sammy back you know i'm sure ricketts has his his excuses his reasons he's not eligible yet okay tom whatever you say at some point at some point you're going to at least have to offer to bring him back into the fold and properly honor him
0: Agreed. It's long, long overdue. Uh, apparently, this eligibility requirement is lifted for 2024. So maybe this time next year, we're saying Sammy, he's going in the Cubs Hall of Fame up there with Sean Dunstan.
1: Seems like an seems like an easy out at that point. Like uh, yeah. Tom will say, "Okay, we've lifted the eligibility. Now we can bring Sammy in because a year is going to make a whole ton of difference." Of course. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, I I think the broader problem here is Major League Baseball. We've complained about. Major League Baseball's marketing efforts and the way that they try and grow the game. Major League Baseball has turned fan bases on some of these iconic players from the 90s and the 2000s. Like, talk about hurting your own brand. There's a lot of guys in other sports, the National Football League and the NBA, that have done far worse things that potentially take steroids that are still embraced by their franchises or embraced by the sport, Major League Baseball turned their back on so many of these guys, and it's created friction in the fan base. That's not right, and Tom Ricketts could go a long way to mend that by getting Sammy back to Wrigley Field. And there are some Cubs fans that think Sammy shouldn't be there, but I really believe that's the minority. It's a smaller percentage of the fan base that doesn't want him back versus that wants him back at Wrigley.
1: We saw it during the pandemic, or not the pandemic, I beg your pardon, during the lockout, uh, the league and the teams uh, do a great job of controlling the narrative. They, They do a great job of using certain mouthpieces in the media locally and nationally to kind of push their side of things. They do a great job of controlling the narrative. And as you said, they've used that ability to really try and turn a lot of public sentiment against these players who, I don't want to say they didn't do anything wrong. But I, there's a lot of nuance and there's a lot of gray area there. And trying to pin it at one side or the other, I think, does the the entire issue a disservice.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Um, here's something else we agree with. Ryan Sandberg getting a statue at Wrigley Field likely will be unveiled in 2024, but no Cubs fans are going to complain about that. He rightfully gets his place there on statue row.
1: Absolutely. That's, and that is a statue row now. All the statues, of course, if you have not been to Wrigley recently, are out there on Gallagher Wade, which I think is great. I love seeing them all in one place. And there happen to be uh, two empty pedestals, one at either end of that row. And, you know, the question, of course, is who gets those pedestals? And the answer is uh, Ryan Sandberg. So uh, according to the the panel at the convention or the announcement at the convention, they are early in the stages of what is generally a year long design process. So it, it seems like it'll probably be the sort of thing that they unveil. Uh, a a look at or art of probably about a year from now. And then probably at some point on a nice day in 2024, uh, Ryan will be standing out there, a tarp over his statue. They'll pull it off. He'll get to bask in that much deserved. One of the great uh, Hall of Famer, one of the great Cubs in franchise history. He will fit very nicely amongst that, uh, that row of all stars and Hall of Famers out there on the statue row.
0: It's going to be very, very cool. And a great addition out there. I will say one other compliment to the Cubs here is those statues. They're really well done. Uh, Not every team does statues correctly or tactfully. If you want to see the worst statue in major league baseball, 20th and Blake downtown Denver, Colorado, (laughs) they've got a statue of the player. It's not any specific player. It's just the player out in front of the ballpark. It's almost embarrassing actually that the Rockies do that instead of one of the great players that they've had in the last 30 years here in Denver but the cut statues they're called cool. yeah a dinger statue would be better than the player uh it's awful it's it's really uh a so bad the case.
1: Of, it's the tomb of the unknown player
0: yeah it's it's very cheesy I think. And you know, you're an organization, you don't have a ton of history. You want to put something out in front of the ballpark. They should have just waited a decade for Todd Helton or Larry Walker or any number of those great players over the years. Troy Hawkins could get a statue here in Denver. Uh, but the player, pretty disappointing. The Cubs ones are going to be pretty cool. Well, we talked World Baseball Classic. And Randall, we've got a whole bunch of Cubs on preliminary World Baseball Classic rosters. Who caught your eye playing internationally?
1: So we do. And uh, to let our listeners know, preliminary rosters are a roster of 50 players. It does need to be submitted to the World Baseball Classic Administration and players on those preliminary rosters are eligible to make the eventual final rosters. It is not a guarantee. A great way to think of it is it's kind of like a 40 man roster preliminarily for your eventual team roster Uh, so not all these players will guaranteed play but a lot of them seem like they are pretty good locks we have Marcus Stroman who has opted to pitch for team Puerto Rico he his mother is Puerto Rican he did pitch for team USA in 2017 he's gonna uh, switch jerseys for Team Puerto Rico in 2023. Owen Casey and Rowan Wick are both on the preliminary roster for Team Canada. Uh, Casey may be a little longer of a a shot to make the roster, but it's not as if Team Canada has uh, a ton of major league options or even minor league options. So he has a decent chance to make that roster, as does Rowan Wick. Seiya Suzuki has already committed to playing for Team Japan. He is very likely to play, be their starting right fielder. This one, was a surprise to me. Matt Mervis is uh, apparently, as Jeremy would call him, a member of the tribe. He is uh, a nice Jewish boy. Mench Mervis, many are saying. He has committed to play for Team Israel, which uh, is entirely Jewish-American ballplayers. I don't think there are any actual Israelis on that team. Um, But he, uh, again, they do not necessarily have a, uh, a bevy of options. So he's a, a good chance to make that roster. Javier Assad and Nick Madrigal. Nick Madrigal um, is of Mexican descent. They are on the preliminary rosters for Team Mexico. Miguel Amaya is on the preliminary roster for Team Panama. And uh, as much as you'd like to see him in camp with the team, I think that might be a good opportunity to play competitively, try and get some of that health back as he recovers. Christopher Morell is on the preliminary roster for Team Dominican Republic. He is unlikely to make that final roster just because they do have a bevy of options. Yeah. And Christopher morell God bless his little golden retriever heart. He's probably not quite ready for prime time in that regard just yet.
0: It'll be very compelling. It's going to be a fun baseball to watch. Talk about a spotlight on Cubs going into spring training. Miguel Amaya is going to have a lot of people seeing what's there. Who is this guy? Tons of hype around him. He's been injury plagued for a couple of years. With Wilson out of the picture, a lot of Cubs fans are going, what's the long-term plan at backstop? So if he's out there playing for Panama, it could be pretty fun to see what he brings to the equation this year absolutely has not played
1: a full season between pandemic, between injuries in quite some time. Hopefully he is back to full strength and it sounds like he is just about there. And again, let him go out there and let, let's let see what there is in Miguel Amaya because you haven't really had that much opportunity to do that in the last couple of seasons.
0: Another guy I just wanted to mention quickly, Rowan Wick have been kind of down on Rowan Wick. I wasn't really happy with the season he had last year, despite very much being in his corner the last couple of years but then I heard he changed his number to 99 he and did. that's a he's, classy move.
1: He switched off number 50 uh, to accommodate Jameson Tyone. He took number 99. He walked out on the stage in that number uh, last week. I know you're a number 99 oh, yeah. guy, you know, so Rowan Wick, he's got the wild thing going on. He's got the Rick Vaughn. He's, he's Wick Vaughn now that I think about it. So uh, hopefully that changes some of his fortunes uh, and uh, a number can do that for a guy. So let's see what number 99 Rowan Wick is like compared to number 50 Rowan Wick.
0: It increased my confidence in him. At least he's going to look sharp out there Absolutely. in number 99 for the Cubs next season. Uh, something else I wanted to touch on here Baseball America unveiled their pre 2023 top 100 prospects list. And at this point in time, the Cubs are going through a rebuild. They've invested a lot into the farm system. You always want to know okay, who lands there? Who's the top Cubs? How many guys do you have in the top 100? Just three for the Cubs this time. Uh, Their top-ranked player is outfielder Pete Crow Armstrong. The center fielder comes in at 25th. Big step back for fellow outfielder Brendan Davis, who clocks in at 84. And then another outfielder, Calvin Acantara, at 91. This is Baseball America. It's the pre-2023 Top 100 list. But I'm a bit disappointed, Randall, to just see three Cubs pop up in that list this year.
1: A little. You have a lot of names who keep popping up and you would have liked to see them kind of be recognized in this preseason ranking. And again, these rankings, they they redo them at midseason. I do think you're going to see if guys perform a lot of changes. Interesting that Brennan Davis and Kevin Alcantara are kind of going in opposite directions. Kevin Alcantara is entering the top 100. Brennan Davis, as you said, his stock has fallen um, as he moves towards the bottom of the the top 100 it is interesting that all three of them are outfielders you don't see any pitchers from the Cubs system on this list jordan wicks is not yeah. on this list even though he is regarded as having a pretty solid ceiling for a guy who pitching in double a in his first first full professional season but again these will shift a great deal as guys perform differently injuries will will take their toll i'm really interested to see how many cubs are on this list come the mid-season version
0: yeah, and you want to see the other publications as well. Baseball America is not my favorite place to look at prospect ranks. I think FanGraphs does it better than anybody. I've also been impressed with MLB.com over the years. It feels like they're putting more investment into that. So if it's just one publication, you got to also realize the difference between ninety-five and whoever came in one hundred and ten or one hundred twentieth on that list. That's minuscule totally difference. Opinion. Yeah, it, it's yeah. It, it's so don't overthink this too much but still a little bit disappointing. Um, I thought Mervis had a decent shot at it, but all the reason to be excited, the word is out, the secret's out here on Pete Crow Armstrong as he continues to get praise all across the baseball world. Absolutely. And that's, that's the guy that
1: I think I am most excited to eventually see in a Cubs uniform. Uh, he impressed at every opportunity during the convention this past weekend, he was on a a number of panels with the other minor leaguers. Uh, I think between the maturity, I think between the baseball intelligence, I think between the defense that is major league ready now, and I think between the bat that could potentially make him a borderline all-star center fielder, I'm very excited to see him in double-A this season. And if he's performing at double-A, and the Cubs are in contention mid-season and cody bellinger is not necessarily cutting it in center field or maybe you have an, uh, an ability to move cody bellinger back to first base it's not out of the question you might see pete crow armstrong up to play defense and provide whatever offense he's capable it's unlikely but it's not out of the question and that's one of the intriguing things that we can kind of dream on here in the middle of january before the season gets started
0: that glove is going to be so much fun to see at Rigby Field and other ballparks across baseball you know we've been spoiled in the last decade here with some incredible defensive players. Javi all those years at short, just being a complete wizard you 've got Nico last year just flashing the leather all over the place to get a top of the line elite defensive center fielder that 's going to be so much fun to watch that play out um, i I love watching good defensive players do what they do, saving runs, making highlight catches. It's very entertaining. And Pete Crow Armstrong appears to be the real deal. And again, Wrigley is not necessarily the
1: biggest outfield in the major leagues, nor are the center fields in the National League Central. Aside from maybe Pittsburgh, none of those are particularly big outfielders or very big outfields. The outfielder sizes, you know, they vary. Uh, But that, and that takes an elite glove and has it tick up even more? The less ground you have to cover, I'm not I'm not breaking any news here, but the less ground you have to cover, the, the better a defender you are. And again, the National League Central has some smaller center fields, and I think that's going to make that defense play up even more.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be great to see it play out at Wrigley Field. You got me thinking, Randall. I learned something today. I have been paying attention to baseball since the early 1990s. I watch or listen to basically every Cubs game over the course of a season. I'm I'm locked into this. Let's so let me ask you Randall. Batter's up. He hits the ball. It bounces in the outfield grass and then over the fence. What do you call that play? I call that a ground rule double. See, that's what I've called it for the last 30 years and I learned today that is wrong. That's really? actually wrong. Yes. A ball that bounces in out of the field of play is called an automatic double. Wow. What makes it a ground rule double is when the ballpark it's a specific issue in that ballpark like the ivy at wrigley the, the ball like rolls the into ivy. the ivy wow yep. and the wow. way that i, I had no that, idea i know and i i, I was annoyed uh i, I got nlb the show i got the ps5 huh. plug it in and every time i hit the ball it bounces into the crowd it says automatic double and i go no it's a ground rule double and it irritated me seeing automatic double automatic double looked it up sure enough if a ball bounces out of play It's an automatic double. If it gets stuck in something like the Ivy or under piping, it's a ground rule double. So how about that? You learn something new when you listen to- Who says video games
1: aren't aren't educational?
0: And what's extra weird about it too is uh, it's Boog doing the play-by-play. So he keeps saying automatic double and I'm yelling at the TV, it's a ground rule double and I am wrong. So MLB The Show, all these years, playing baseball games, watching baseball games, video games- I learned something new about the automatic double rule.
1: I had absolutely no idea. Thank you for sharing that with us.
0: See if I can get Jeremy on that uh, before he gets a chance to listen to this. Uh, Well, we're getting short on time here. This is our 96th podcast. So we got to do something big for 100. But Randall, what Cubs have worn 96 in Cubs history?
1: Well, believe it or not, there have been three individuals to wear number 96 as uniformed personnel in a regular season game, going all the way back to 1950, where right-handed pitcher Bill Voysell, that's V-O-I-S-E-L-L-E, pitched in 19 games, seven of them starts uh, for the 1950 Chicago Cubs. Assistant hitting coach Mike Brumley, a member of Rick Renteria's staff in 2014, wore number 96. And most recently, catcher Tyler Payne caught three innings wearing the number in the final game of the 2021 season, October 3rd. Uh, I don't believe he's been seen or heard from again. And that is the long, distinguished and dignified history of number 96 in the Chicago Cubs uniform.
0: Okay. Yeah, 96 is kind of like 99, so I can get behind
1: 96. It, it's one it's one number that got turned upside down, so it's pretty close.
0: Randall, update for you here. Under four in the second half, Hoosiers up 16. So I'm going to say it right now. The real reason Jeremy Specter not on the pod tonight, he's in hiding. It says Illini en route to a loss tonight to the Hoosiers.
1: He fled all the way to Florida to get away from the result.
0: Well, we'll be back next week. We'll get Jeremy back in the fold. Certainly want his thoughts on Trey Mancini. And uh, we getting close to prediction time as we start to piece together what this Cubs season is going to look like next year. We'll take a couple minutes next week as well and do one more revisit on the 2003 Chicago Cubs, something we're going to periodically do throughout this season. Uh, that's all, though, we got for you tonight. For Randall, this is Ronan. Thank you for listening. We are on Twitter at BTYLpodcast. Take it easy.